Welcome to the Water Walkers podcast. Every Christ follower experiences moments like Peter when Jesus called him out of the boat to walk on the water. This podcast can help encourage other leaders as you learn to follow the voice of Jesus as Peter did. Today, I'm excited to introduce Kevin Miller. Kevin is a lifelong entrepreneur from building his own companies to leading multiple growth stage organizations. He now works with leaders to create growth and marketing strategies for scaling, struggling, or even stagnant businesses. His background incorporates leadership in multiple industries, including textile manufacturing and design, healthcare, real estate, financing, technology, e-commerce, and the creative arts. Prior to his current consulting practice, Kevin was the vice president of marketing at C12, the largest network of business forums for Christian CEOs and business owners. He was responsible for global brand strategy, instructional design, customer experience, executive curriculum development, and strategic partnerships. There's a whole lot we could unpack just with that bit of experience. Kevin and his wife, Beth, an elementary school principal, live in San Antonio, Texas with their two sons. They enjoy a wide range of outdoor adventure activities, including mountain biking, backpacking, and snow sports. Enjoy. Well, welcome, Kevin Miller. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I've appreciated following you on LinkedIn and seeing a lot of the helpful material that you post, a lot of practical stuff and things I'm sure we're going to jump into today. But I had to start out as I read through uh, your introduction. How do you enjoy winter sports in San Antonio? <laughs> so that's a great question. The funny thing is, when we moved here, we moved from South Florida almost seven years ago now. Yeah. And, um, you know, we assumed moving to Texas that, okay, it's going to be very similar to Florida climate, maybe a little drier, hopefully a little right. drier, right? It has snowed every single year we've lived here. We've had two what we call snowpocalypse, where we've had literally snow on the ground for over a week, frozen pipes, yeah. ice on the ground. So it just caught us completely unaware of of, of the climate here. And and we, we joke all the time. We're like, we thought we were getting tumbleweed and trucks and, you know, right. sand dunes. <laughs> and instead, we've we've gotten pretty much all four seasons. But yeah, um, if we if we go snow sports, we we go up to Texas, what they call the Texas play playground or Texas backyard, which is Colorado. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Same. I grew up with a lot of that as well. Uh, so that's awesome. Well, mm -hmm. the, the icebreaker question that you picked out just to get us started is if you could relive one day of your past, uh, what day would that be and why? Yeah, that's that's a great question. It's it's hard to have any regrets. I've crammed a lot of fun things into my life. I think the one day we would relive is my wife and I, when we first got married, we, we ended up spending a summer in Romania. Uh, doing some mission work with orphans there, leading an adventure education program. And we had the chance during that time to go with some friends one weekend to, to Prague and to Budapest and um, do kind of a, a tour for a long weekend. We had a few days off and, and we were so tired. My wife and I said no. And then looking at the pictures of of the, what the people did that went and got to experience all those great things, um, man, we missed out on a lot of fun, a lot of cool things just because we were tired. So I think that was a good life lesson for me is, you know, don't let life pass you by just because you might be a little tired. Um, yeah. So I think that's a good, maybe not good entrepreneurial lesson. I don't know. Maybe it's not, maybe it's unhealthy, <laughs> but either way, that was uh that was one experience that I really, you know, regret that we didn't capitalize on when we had it. Right. Interesting. That's a good answer. I, you know, thinking of it in terms of what's one of those big things I like to go back and do over, uh, man. 
See, I, I could, I would have to narrow down my list pretty significantly, <laughs> but that's great. I think if we were creating a list of things that, that I wish I could go back and do over again, mistakes I've made, the list, we don't have enough time, Logan, <laughs> for, I know, for me exactly. to cover that list. But Just you by know, God's when, when grace. Think, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I know you've worked with a lot of different businesses. You've seen many examples uh, but for you personally, how did you first begin to connect with God's heart for your work and, and for business? I tell you what, it was, I took sort of a strange journey um, because I, I'm one of the rare people that started off in ministry and then transitioned to, to business later. So I don't know if that's yeah. as rare as it used to be, but I started off, um, first of all, thinking I was going to be a, a professional musician, a touring musician, and I had a little bit of a taste of that. And I tell people that, and they're like, oh, cool. You must have been like a rock star or something like that. Right. No, I, I played trombone. So all the cool right. factor <laughs> just goes way out of that. But anyway, um, I started off in ministry, doing worship ministry and youth ministry. And then my father said, hey, you're, you've are you got a great business mind. You're a, you are you think strategically. You're, you're good at building relationship. He had been real estate and real estate finance forever. And he's like, I want to teach you this business. Let's, let's let's learn this business or let me teach you this business and then let's launch a, a mortgage company together. And so that was really my first foray into the business world. I mean, I worked at, you know, sales jobs and stuff, but um, I, at the time I remember kind of being stuck in this, just uh, this paradigm and mindset of I'm giving up on ministry. I am, I'm shifting, I'm giving, giving the things that I've been doing in the ministry world away to yeah. enter into the business world. And, and it took for, it took me a long time to really connect the two. And on, honestly, um, my time working at C12 really brought that to light. Uh, when I first got there, the concept of business as ministry or business as a ministry was so foreign to me that I had watched people be faith-led business owners and I had watched Christians lead businesses. But I'd also been a part of organizations that were led by Christians that did not operate their business according to the same biblical principles. And so there was just this clear, you know, line separating the two where business is business and faith is faith. And I had yeah. never experienced what it was like to connect the two. So honestly, I would say always did good things and was ethical in business, but I don't know that I ever uh, early on in my entrepreneurial and intrapreneurial career really connected the two until later on. But man, when I did, wow, what a what a world that opened up to right. me when I really started stepping into that business as a ministry space. And so now, you know, my current consulting practice that that I've uh, built over the last couple of years, um, I mean, it is, it's ingrained in everything that we do. And, and part of that is, you know, um, making sure that I'm not the one getting the glory for anything that I do because it's not my business anyway, it's his. And um, so that, as an entrepreneur and a risk taker and somebody who, you know, runs head first into a lot of these things and heart first yeah. into a lot of these things, that was a hard thing for me to get. But, um, but now it's just so ingrained in what I do. And I think, you know, the time at C12 teaching others how to do that really just helped me ingrain that myself. Yeah. You know, that's what I wanted to dig into a little bit was, were there some particular things or, or, practices or ways that that really helped you grow in incorporating your faith at work in those early days? Maybe it was part of just being at C12 or was there something particular that really helped unlock that for you? 
Yeah. Um, it was honestly, it was, it was, it was a client of mine who was actually the one that introduced me to C12. I had never up to that point really run into anybody who ran their business as a ministry. And, and I, um, I started with this company called Pace Travel. It's a, it's a student travel organization where they do large trips for, for public and private schools, you know, 200, 300 people at a time going through Washington, D.C. or Boston or New York. And right. I, had, I had never experienced what businesses and ministry look like until I engaged with, with them and that with that particular client. And it was from the top down, every level of the company was tied to uh, whose glory, who is, who is this bringing glory to? And if the answer was ever anybody on the team, it was like, okay, well, that's not, that's not the way we should be doing this. Um, and that was really my first experience um, seeing it in action. And it was mind blowing. And, and for me, I remember at the time thinking, okay, that, that works for him. Uh, you know, that's been working for him, but he's such a great relationship builder. I think people would just do business with him just because he's, a relationship builder. But then as I started digging into their company and learning more about what they do and why they do it, I could see how it forms their decision-making. I could see how it formed. uh, They didn't just rely on circumstances to make decisions. Everything was, you know, was prayerfully considered. There was close relationships so that there was no misalignment down the road. Um, And so I really got to see the disciplines of business as a ministry come come to fruition. And then obviously when I got into the world of C12 and saw, you know, thousands of, of companies running their business in this way and not the ones you would put on the, you know, high profile um, Christian business, right? There's a few examples right. we can all think of. You think of Christian business and you're like, oh yeah, right. And you can name the list, but these are people that are, that are, they're not receiving the publicity. They're not receiving whether good or bad. They're not receiving um, the attention, but they're still doing incredible things for the kingdom and incredible things that they're not doing it because of the attention and and marketing bump that they get. They're doing it because they've been called to do it. So um, what a huge transition. I've seen that light bulb go off like it did for me with with so many people. Uh, Sometimes it's it's a quick light bulb where you're like, oh, there are the principles. Amazing. That makes total sense. Yeah. And then there's others where it's, it's a long multi-year process before the light bulb really clicks. And then they say, oh, 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 it's not my business. It's his business. Okay. Well, that changes the whole paradigm of how you go about making decisions, hiring, firing, um, operational issues, you know, marketing. Uh, it just, it really bleeds to the entire, you know, fabric of the organization. Yeah, it, it, it's so interesting. This is one of the things that I love about interacting with Christian business leaders who are really walking the walk. There are like Christian businesses, like you mentioned, that don't necessarily put that faith into action. We can talk about that more. But when you do interact with somebody, unless you're like really searching it out, when you stumble across somebody who really is walking the walk, it's it's like a, it becomes contagious. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I love about what's happening in the Christian business world right now, where, where there really is the makings of a awakening happening in a culture of business leaders who are relationally stumbling across other leaders who, who are taking it seriously and who are walking the walk and it spreads relationally and organically. Mm -hmm. And 
C12 is kind of like a super spreader of that <laughs> to use a COVID okay. term, which I appreciate. But, uh, but that, that, that's a little bit of how I stumbled into this as well. I didn't necessarily, I did come up with a ministry background similar to you and came across leaders who were really walking the walk in their business. And that is what opened my eyes, gave me the light bulb. And that's what prompted me to do further study. Uh, and it's just neat to see that even just those simple relationships, even that simple introduction to that client, like that's a world changer for a lot of people. So uh, well, that's, that's really that's encouraging I, to me. That's what I love about these organizations that are that are doing this, C12 being one of them. But um, a lot of these, you know, faith-driven entrepreneur and faith-driven investor and convene and other groups are doing the same concept where they're trying to introduce this business as a ministry concept to people. But what I've seen, I think with my clients and with the, my time at C12 and even previous to C12, it's fear-based. It's it's the fear that holds us back from really living out what God has called us to be in our businesses. He's given us this platform. And if we're not using it, um, you know, to to glorify him, one, obviously, but two, to operate in a way that I think one of my favorite questions we used to ask clients and business owners at even at C12 and I've asked is, you know, if, if, if Jesus happened to walk through the front door and want to see your business, what are the areas you would speed by and walk by very quickly because yeah. you don't want him to see. Right. And those are the things that we kind of leave untouched, but um, it's just been incredible to, to see when the fear wall is broken down for people where they understand they can actually do more than they think they can. Um, it really opens up, this kind of testing hypothesis and testing process, scientific process almost of, well, let me try one thing or let me try a few things and see how it goes. And then once they realize, oh my gosh, the impact of this is incredible. You just see it, the fire, just like you said, the super spreader happen where you just see it contagious to other people and their, and, and their peers and their colleagues are looking at them going, wait, you can do that? Let me try that. And then you start to see just this incredible, you know, kind of seismic activity happen um, from the epicenter of just this understanding of business as a ministry and how that, how that works and looks. Yes, that's excellent. So with uh, being a lifelong entrepreneur that you are, uh, you know, entrepreneurship always comes with an element of risk. And so I wondered if there might be a personal story in your journey through the multiple businesses you've been part of and that you've uh, even served, but a story of risk where uh, maybe it's something God called you into, or it's a circumstance you found yourself in where God really met you in that. That might be encouraging for us to hear. Yeah, I think, um, and I shared a, a little bit of this story on LinkedIn, but um, you know, there was an opportunity once where, where I was an entrepreneur, so I was working in a company really leading, changing, breaking things, putting it back strong to get stronger than it. I found it, um, you know, typical entrepreneurial stuff, but in an entrepreneurial environment. And, you know, there was a, a scenario where I, I reached a crossroads in that role um, where the, the golden handcuffs were real, right? So was was making great money, had stability, job security, because I was I was doing a really great job for the company. But there became this um, crossroads where I was given the choice of, okay, you can go to the next level now with this company and you can become, you know, basically the, the person leading and running the company. Uh, but that's going to come with some sacrifices. And that is going to mean 
you know, less time with your family and, um, you're going to be working, you know, an insane amount of hours. You're going to be giving up this, you're going to be giving up that. Um, but it's all in this effort to take the company to the next level. And there's going to be the payoff someday. Right. We don't know what it is, but there's going to be a payoff someday. Right. And I remember, you know, God really at that time saying, this is not what I have for you. This is not where I want you. And, and there were some things in that company, nothing illegal, but definitely things that I wasn't 100% on board with the way that we were doing things. But, you know, that decision to say no to that opportunity and walk away from, you know, security and fi both financial and, uh, you know, career security and, you know, um, you know, having an opportunity to, to create ridiculous growth. Uh, that was predicted um, to be able to to say with confidence, no, that's not what I want. That's not for me. That's not what God has called me to. But then not having something on the on the other side to say, if I say no, what am I saying yes to? I didn't know that at the time. But God truly just protected us and and myself and my wife and our and our family and. Um, he, he led me through that fire. Was it easy? No, it, it hurt and it stung, but how he responded and saying, this is what, this is what happens when you take a risk in my name versus when you take a risk in your own name. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm guilty of anything, it's sometimes running ahead of God and then looking back and be like, Hey, you're cool with this. Right. Um, right. <laughs> that's when I get myself in trouble. Um, but in this particular scenario, just completely giving it up, open hands, hands up to him and saying, look, I have no clue what's going to be next. And it's it's going to have to be on you, God, to to point me in the right direction and tell me where I need to go. And he did. And it was amazing. And, you know, provided a great story for me to be able to share with people when they're struggling with what's God leading me to. I don't know. Um, you know, I can share that scenario where seemingly from the outside, I had it all. And it was, and it was an opportunity that most people would have jumped on, but there yeah. was something about God's spirit, you know, and leading in me to say, this is not what I called you to. So yeah, pretty risky. Uh, but the reward was much greater than the risk. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So in all the business examples that you've seen and people that you've worked with, you know, some examples are better and some are a little bit worse, but you talk a lot about overcoming mediocrity, mediocrity mm. that in a lot of ways is so prevalent. Sometimes it, it just we assume that it's normal. So I wonder if we could take a minute and just kind of define what that mediocrity looks like. Maybe a few examples uh, just to set the stage for kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, that's great. Um, so. A few years back, probably three or four years back, um, went through a process of kind of this understanding who you are and your leadership style. You know, I'm I'm a student of all these kind of personality tests and archetype building, you know, profiles, and I just I think it's fascinating. So I went through one that was really formative, and and as part of the exercise, they had you come up with a couple of words that really define your personal mission and purpose. And my two words out of that process were eradicate mediocrity and. Yeah. I think, you know, that really, that really sums up my frustration with the, the Christian marketplace in general. And I think, you know, when you substitute what there's a sentence that people say that really frustrates me when they go, you know what, that wasn't bad for a Christian 
and then insert whatever, right? That wasn't bad for a Christian movie. Or, hey, that actually wasn't as awful as I thought that album was going to be. Or, you know, oh, um, wow, that Christian company actually did something good for the community for a change. Like, that yeah. phrase just, that hurts me um, in my spirit. And it just, I, I, we are called to so much more as Christian business leaders that we should not use our faith as an excuse or a facade for poor quality. And I think in a lot of times we do that um, where we say, oh, it's okay. Like most of our people that we deal with are Christians or, oh, that vendor's a Christian and they'll get it. We'll, we'll ask for grace and they'll be fine with that. Um, just slapping a, an ichthus, a, a Jesus fish on your van doesn't make you a good company. And I think there's a there's a reputation that Christian businesses and uh, have gained in the marketplace where even amongst Christians, I heard a Christian say the other day that owns a business, they said, yeah, actually, when when somebody reaches out and tells me they have a Christian business, I, my first reaction is, Ugh. Yeah, and that was from a I've Christian business too. owner, right? Um, where did we go wrong? Because that's not biblical. We're called, you know, if you look at Colossians 3.23, you know, everything that we do should be high quality. We should be setting the bar. We should be setting the standard as Christian business leaders. And instead, I think we sometimes come in under that bar and let the the perpetual grace do the, the work of the rest and fill that gap. And I just think, you know, our our testimony, how much stronger would we be as a Christian marketplace if we were setting the pure standard for excellence and quality and customer service and how to, um, you know, not only, you know, treat your customers well, but treat your vendors well and treat your, um, you know, your, your contractors well and, and the people that we don't really think of when we think of ministry. And when you see that, when you see companies look at every line item and figure out how are we representing our faith in everything that we do, it's so transformational for the business and not in an effort. It's not in the name and acclaim it prosperity gospel. You know, Oh, if I just, you know, if we, if we do excellent work, we're going to just grow because we're um, you know, because God's told us as long as we do these five steps, you know, he's going to bless us and right. we're going to be rich. Um, it's not in that vein. It's in a vein of that's what we're called to do is be excellent and to represent our savior and our Holy Father as um, a beacon of excellence, not as a ugh, cringy, you know, oh, that's so cheesy, that's so bad. And I think we're starting to see some glimmers of hope um, in the public sphere, especially in the entertainment community, where there's a yeah. few things coming out where we can say, hey, that's excellent. And, th and right. that, why can't we do that in, in business? And so it's just kind of a personal crusade for me. Um, where I feel like this is my purpose is to kind of call out mediocrity and, and try to do what I can to to fix it in my particular business. It's one client at a time. I can't really do much more than just changing the minds of, of one client at a time. But I think in the general sphere, it's just great to see traction that, you know, again, organizations like C12 and Faith Driven Entrepreneur and, and others are gaining to draw attention to the excellence that we that we should be putting forth as a Christian marketplace. So anyway, I could go on forever and stand on my soapbox forever, but um, but it is a personal passion for me of something that that I do want us to uh, to try to change, hopefully in my lifetime. Right. So is there a way to summarize uh, kind of the opposite side? 
you know, we looking at sometimes examples of mediocre businesses, but what's the ideal that we're trying to grow into? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of examples and, and, you know, I think you, you're two that, you, that everybody thinks of, right. When you think of Christian businesses, Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A. And I think, right. they do, but they both do a great job. I mean, Chick-fil-A setting the standard for how fast food service and quick service should run. But th there are literally thousands of businesses doing incredible things that you will never hear of that are, that are just not brands that are out there, you know, on public display, like a Chick-fil-A or a Hobby Lobby. I mean, there are companies that are like, you know, crane manufacturers and oil and, and gas drilling tool builders and uh, financial services and, and planning services. Uh, there, are, there are hundreds and thousands of companies that are doing incredible things for the kingdom that, you know, you're probably never going to hear of. Um, I think the thing that that I, that's the common thread between all of those businesses is that they are, they understand their mission. They understand whose business it is in the first place without that core understanding of saying, well, this is my business that I'm running for God. When you switch that mindset to a company going, this is his business. How do we steward it well and create, you know, spiritual capital, financial capital, emotional capital, cultural capital, and you're looking at every area of the business in a, well, this is his anyway, how am I going to steward it well? That's that's the tipping point right there, is once that understanding happens, that's when you just start th seeing incredible things happen uh, through the company and where if Jesus were to walk through the front door and audit your business, you don't feel like you got to skip one department or you know one area because you're afraid of what he's going to see there. Um, so that's the core is just understanding whose business it is. So for a business leader that's watching this and is eager to find steps of how to get to that ideal and maybe some of the ways they're going to be applying that, I wonder if you could just share a little bit about what you do and uh, and how people can reach out to you and get a hold of you. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. So my what I do is um, really on the growth side of the business. So I come in as sitting fully in the strategic seat and helping just come alongside uh, clients that are one of three S's. They're either scaling really fast. So I have clients that are scaling their product or service has caught on and they just need the right framework and how to make sure that the growth is sustainable. Um, and then I, I work with stagnant businesses where they've reached a level where they can really only go from that. They've reached the, the pinnacle of where they can go their own. They just need fresh perspective, somebody to come in and help provide some new strategic direction and guidance to reach that next level. And then, you know, the, the one that, that is, is the most difficult, but sometimes the most rewarding is the struggling business where things are, are shrinking and sliding backward and they need to know, figure out how to go uh, turn the other direction and, and go back up. And so when I come into a company, I'm really just uh, coming alongside the leadership team and helping provide um, a process, have a proven process that I go through, but it's a process of, of pulling all the things that go on the growth side of the business, sales, marketing, demand generation, customer experience, customer advocacy, and building all of those into a comprehensive strategy that they can follow. It's a roadmap, you know, I'm building a roadmap for them to follow. And then, um, you know, coming alongside every now and then to, you know, say, Oh, watch out for that guardrail. Oh, watch out, you know, for that, uh, slippery road coming up. Um, but really everything that I build and architect is given over to the company to run and manage. My, my goal is not to stay in long-term. 
It's to provide the value that I can while I'm with them and then help them own and, and transfer management and execution um, over to their own team or their own partners or partners that we help them bring in. So fully in the strategic seat. Awesome. And people can reach out to you how, or is there a certain website you want me to link people to? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, popular demand group is the, is the website. If you go popular demand group.com, you'll, you'll find plenty of ways to contact us there. Um, uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I share lots of things there that you can get inside my head, which sometimes is a scary place to be, but, um, <laughs> but I try to, you know, share how I view life and leadership and, and business, uh, and marketing and growth, uh, try, try to share as much as I can on there. So you really get to know me and how I think about things. Um, so yeah, I think that's, you know, website or LinkedIn, probably the best two ways to get a hold of me. Perfect. And I'll, I'll put the links there in the show notes to the podcast, but I do encourage people go give him a follow on LinkedIn. You'll really appreciate uh, the stuff that he's sharing and it'll, uh, it's again, it's useful, practical, and thought-provoking. And uh, again, Kevin, I so appreciate just this chance to get to interact, to be on the podcast together. I've been a fan on your LinkedIn for a while and uh, and just appreciate too, just the common, I think is that common desire that we both have to see the gospel really represented well and mm-hmm. the vehicle that Christian business and Christian anything should be, the vehicle that that should be for us to be a light to the world. And we want that light to shine brightly and effectively. When we begin to look at things that way and begin to actually search out, God, how do I live this out? The opportunities uh, really begin Mm. to become exponential. So even just in, it's as simple as the ordinary goings on of your business. And that that can be a difference maker in people's lives. So uh, it's been so encouraging to me to get to follow you and and see uh, what the Lord's been doing in this space. So uh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing more of your story with me today. Well, thanks, Logan. I appreciate you having me. And uh, hopefully this is helpful to somebody and uh, look forward to continuing to connect and, and have chats in the future. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Please visit ServantLeaderNetwork.org for more helpful resources for your leadership journey. And always bring your water walking shoes.